Hello, hello, and welcome to Review 2. This week we're Review 2-ing Boy. <sighs> just exhale, you have to put words after it. It's a great song live. No, album ruined. What? Yeah, terrible. Out of this world. Oh. Hi there, welcome to Review 2. You're here with Johnny and Tyler. Today we're going to be taking you from innocence to experience starting with U2's debut album, Boy. Hmm, a very appropriate place to start, from innocence to experience. 1980, Yeah. the first album, dealing with all those kind of themes of innocence, childhood, you yep. know, the sort of translational period. I'm sure we'll discuss that and it'll. Um, it's really prevalent, those ideas of innocence. And, and uh, really quite... Quite. Really? <laughs> really? I mean, I'm dying to hear what it is. Quite. <laughs> quite relevant in terms of U2's recent history. Yeah. I think. Uh, but it all started here, October 1980. And then just to set the scene of the era of music that U2 are coming in, in on this, the charts are filled with David Bowie, mm-hmm. The Jam, ABBA, uh, Blondie. On the other side of things, really quite a diverse group of musicians. Well, big hitters who've you know stood the test of time as well. And all in uh, the genre of pop. Yeah, broadly speaking. Yeah, Some are pushing all in against that, boundaries, but that yeah. cloud, you know, and getting her time, which is quite different to the music and the pop music that you hear on you know, on the radio, perhaps these days. It, it was a di- it was a different time, and in, in, uh, it was another time, and it was another place in. <laughs> <laughs> And I, th- I just think that's quite interesting that this band, you 2 unknowns, but that's what they were coming into, that's what they were faced with. It must be easy these days when you all you have to beat is, you know, some X-Factor group. Well, maybe. I mean, I think it's... Um, I mean, I guess the thing is now you have to have instant... You have to have an instant hit, and then the, you know, the time demanded of you is so short. You know, you've got to be good very, very quickly, or you just get... You know, instantly taken over by the next big thing. You two, a band that are given, you know, that, have, that took quite a while to develop into, you know, their absolute peak. Yeah. You know, so many albums before they were hitting that real, what people would regard as a critical and definitely commercial hit. Yeah. But I think it was interesting you brought up Bowie as well. He was in the charts. Obviously, if anyone's seen any of the early footage of you two on YouTube, Bono is sort of like a weird, bad Bowie impersonator at yeah. different points. I feel like I'm going to talk about Bowie quite a lot today because I think um, more so than any other album, Bono is less comfortable in his own skin. Yeah, and I, and I don't think he knows what his own skin is at that point. Uh, certainly, with a few songs on this on this album, he's trying to be someone else and he's trying to sound like somebody else and he's not quite. Maybe it was good. Maybe it was glorious in those days. It's appropriate though, isn't it? That yeah. he was trying on different skins if you want you know and you know because you can hear him going through taking a lot of different approaches i think a lot of them are successful as well um vocally but yeah there's some definite kind of sort of bowie kind of appreciation going on there um also side note bowie bowie it doesn't matter no it doesn't and i doesn't matter i I don't know which one i've been saying so (laughs) that's anticipating he's dead now he's not he doesn't care So moving swiftly on, um, <laughs> I wanted to just quickly bring up where I was when I first heard this album. It wasn't the first U2 album I heard, um, probably about the about the fourth or fifth, maybe something like that. And at that time, I mean, I don't need to go into an extensive biography, but how old were you? Uh, I was, I think, I was about fifteen, definitely in high school. And suffice it to say that a lot of the other bands that that I uh, my friends were into. With things like you know, Foo Fighters, Green Day, Rage Against the Machine, even a bit of System of a Down, it went as heavy as that. Yeah. When I brought Boy over to them and presented them with a CD case with a young, bare-chested young boy on it, and then they heard the music that came out of this, you know, and a lot of the innocence on there, and possibly the sort of odd vocals in in various points, it was a hard sell to a lot of you know people who yeah. were who um were really you know kind of into Green Day Foo Fighters and they're all great bands but it was just something that it resonated with me a, a huge amount I love the riffs I love the whole sound of this record but it's not easy to be I mean 
I think this is something we're going to keep coming back to. Not easy to be a U2 fan, but particularly, it wasn't easy to be a U2 fan selling boy to people who were thinking, what the hell is this? Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, I was, I think I was a bit younger than you, I was about 12, but I was hanging around with older people. But when you start listening to an established act, it, I think that the first album can be quite intimidating. Yep. Because they've had time to establish themselves to practice what they do and become who they are. So going back to listen to that first album, it, it can really test uh, your fandom of a band mm. and really test your enjoyment. Like, you don't want anything to ruin it. You, you, when you're enjoying listening to the music of a, of a band, you don't want to listen to something that you think, ah, you know, that's not, that's not great. But also, bands these days, I don't think they're allowed that time to mature. No, not very, all. very few bands are. And specifically, when you think of you two coming onto this scene with Barry and the Police, uh, I mean, Police were, were number one when mm. this album came out. Uh, they had stiff competition from great bands like Queen and all these big classic bands that are still talked about and still revered today. Mm they were still allowed the time to mature as a band and to get right what they do. Yeah, and also to make October. And you kind of get the sense that that's been lost in music. So they really... Could you 2 have been you 2 if they were they were starting out now? I, I genuinely don't think so because I, I, I just don't think they would have... I think what you get on Boy is you get a lot of hints of absolute greatness and places where they're really trying something they've got ambition and to be honest maybe that ambition and the sheer force of the live performance which critics at the time even who didn't didn't really like them and found them a bit a bit naive they yeah. did say but bloody hell they actually give it some when they're playing live so maybe but I mean I think I mean this isn't much of a spoiler but I think October would have sunk them basically yeah even if people like Boy and then you would never have had that great return with War yeah but Maybe that's enough preamble. Should we uh, get straight into the album and go track yes. by track? Follow us while oh. we go track by track. <laughs> Here we go. One, two, three, four, and I will follow begins. Uh, in the classic tradition of the Ramones, um, I like the fact, as a Ramones fan, that boy begins in this way with one two three four and unfortunately a very weak i will follow from bono did that ever annoy you I will follow. oh well it's it's shouted away from the microphone i don't know if it's That's weak my problem with it i don't know if it's weak it's it's more his positioning he's obviously singing that pretty loud i would say but it's that's an editing thing i don't think you can blame that on solely on bono no album ruined bono responsible in the first 30 seconds no it's just it's just it's a bugbear of mine that I love this song and it has this incredible riff at the start when I would get into interminable arguments with friends of mine who play guitar I would say you two have got some great riffs and they would say no they don't so I would show um, it's a very dynamic conversation but I would show them I would follow because I think this is it's an absolute classic and the fact that it appeared on you know the rock band series uh, it's either rock band or guitar here or one of the two mm. um this song did appear. I mean, despite the fact that you two are really not cool anymore at all. I mean, maybe they'll have a resurgence, maybe not. But the fact that they appear on that, I think, is a testament to how great this riff is. It's enduring. They play it at every gig, as far as I can tell, um, or at least yeah. most gigs. Is it every gig? I, I don't know, but it, it's very prevalent. I think we've seen it. We, we've seen them three times. Yep. And I think we've we've definitely heard it twice. Yep. I can't I can't remember three sixty. But I'm pretty sure it's like it's it's. I mean, if you go on the Wikipedia page again, this is the whole thing. We're just we're not experts if, here. If you go to at u2.com, I yep. think they have a running tally of every time they have performed each track. Yeah, which is incredible and fair play to those guys for doing that. They've been doing it over 20 years, but mm. you can't if you want those statistics. Yeah. Um, I think I just I can just imagine someone saying uh, actually in uh, in uh, the the tour in Holland they didn't actually play it because the Edge forgot to bring his pick. Yeah, is that your Dutch accent? No, that's me. That's a fan talking about a gig in Holland. Right. Whether his nationality is a mystery, but not his gender apparently. As is his accent. Anyway, so um, so what do you think about our follow? I think it's great. I think it starts out the way um, most you two tracks uh, albums start out and and that's this big bombastic load mm. uh track uh, in late in, 
like elevation and vertigo. Elevation doesn't start off uh, all you can't leave behind. What starts all you can't? Your rumbled uh, uh, beautiful day, <laughs> but your point still carries. Well, it's a, it's a big song, you know. Like it's we're here, we're you two, and you know, let's go on a journey, a musical journey, if you will. <laughs> yep. Um, through this album, and it starts off great, and it's a great introduction to you two. Um, Adam and Larry are really prevalent in on this record. Yeah, they got a very like driving, you know, kind of force yeah, behind that, them. Yeah, that drum and bass it, it seems to be that that's the, and a lot of times that's right up front and center, on this record. Edge and Bono haven't quite figured out how to be Edge and Bono yet. There's hints of both. The, yeah, oh Definitely, yeah, there's hints, yeah, yeah. Of, hints of brilliance as we will discuss. Uh, but Larry and Adam are re- they're really tight, and and Adam is really really loud on this album, mm-hmm. which I I love because I sometimes think Adam can, can be quite fairly criticised for not contributing enough or not seeming to. Yeah, I'm not saying that he's lazy. Just he doesn't seem to be profiled as strongly as other members of the band. I mean, by, I think, his own admission at that point was really... It was more about being in a band than being the world's best bass player. He would acknowledge, I think, that he wasn't a great bassist. And we have got all that, you know, slap bass that occasionally comes up on on October. And I think, yeah, his bass playing doesn't get great until a couple of albums in, I think. But there's some really good bass lines here. Yeah, I mean, mean, he's not terrible either. He's not... We're not saying he's the Ringo star of bassists. It's just that... He perhaps wasn't as proficient at his instrument as the rest of the band were at that point. Yeah, but they're all they're all grappling with stuff, and again, this fits the kind of the theme of the album, that kind of development, becoming something solid, you know, developing some kind of uh, personality. And I think that's what this album is. I mean, there's so many. It's weird this album because there's so many diverse sounds on it, but then it all feels coherent. I mean, this might be something we return to throughout this series, but. I think there's a good question to be asked of each U2 album, which, which is, and it sounds like a stupid question, but is this an album? Yeah. I, does it hold together? Does it thematically work? Or is this just a bunch of songs together? So you, archetypical example, Joshua Tree, that's a flipping album. Okay. Yeah. Um, we might, we'll come to, I guess, other, other ones which we don't think are that, and, we, and I'm sure we'll disagree. But on, on our follow, some of the weird things I think um, that are interesting about this track it's got this simple structure, simple, you know, kind of chorus, you know, really catchy chorus. But if you listen to the like, texture of the song, there's all these weird idiosyncrasies about it, like all the little chiming bells. There's a bit where you can hear milk bottles being smashed. Yeah, and that's all percussion, I think. Percussion is really strong in this song. I wonder if that's Larry doing that, though. Would Larry be sma- I don't think Larry would smash a milk bottle. I think he, would, he wouldn't tolerate it. I think there is a story. I think it was Edge or Bono. And, and, the, it, the, and the, it goes. The, they were just they recorded they just I think they were in a dairy factory. <laughs> no, it was in the studio. And well did someone Because the producer on um on the Clashes London Calling, for example, would literally chuck ladders around the studio in the back. You can hear him clattering around on uh, Lost in the Supermarket. Oh. Uh, great song. But um I'm just I, And what it, noise would those ladders make? Um would you describe it as a clash? <laughs> I thought we were going to have to like insert a hilarious like sound effect here, but maybe this is a genuine joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I've been known to make a few. Stick around for more of that classic humour throughout the rest of these shows. Yeah, but I will follow. I think it's a great introduction. Imagine in the future. I'm imagining. You two, uh, dead and gone, people are rediscovering the music of the 20th century, and they come to this band called U2. And and I imagine it as people would start at the beginning, like like a book, and would go through the whole career and do it in a very linear way. Makes sense. This would be the first thing you heard. Mm-hmm. This would be the first U2 song you heard. It's a good song to start with. I'm not saying yeah. it's one of the greatest, but it's a good song that has changed over the years. Uh, but at that time, this is U2. Listen to the rest of the album. I think I think it's a good, strong start. Yeah, I think if you can be hooked, yeah, I totally agree. I think if you can be hooked by this album, I Will Follow is going to do that. Um, and maybe some of the other tracks wouldn't have worked as well. And I think um, it'd be cool to talk about track listing at some point as well, but this absolutely deserves that place, you know, right at the start of the album. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think it's a great song. Uh, I always enjoy listening to it, um, which I can't say for every U2 track. I can't say for every track on this album, but... Uh, I think it's a good track and a great way to start. Okay, track two, Twilight. 
Right. I'm going to say now, how often are you going to be singing in this podcast? Uh, it depends on how much I drink. Okay. That's, that's pretty good then, because you've not had anything today. Only water. Right. Okay. Um, Tyler is a singer. I play guitar. Yes. Um, so we'll see how much Tyler uses his talents uh, th- throughout this podcast. <laughs> Hopefully in a sort of limited, you know, kind of nice, you know, just to add a bit of colour to it way. Yeah, I just I, I like this song, um, but it's not a song I listen to unless I'm listening to the album. Uh, okay. It's never there's never a time where, where you know where I'm yeah. I'm singing this without listening to the album, yeah. uh, and there are. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it, for me, it's, it's just it's just a part of boy. But when I was listening to it, like to research this, I, and the same with I Will Follow, the drum and bass so loud and so prevalent, and it's it's a really good indication of where the strength of the band came from at this point. Mm. I think Bono is not least trying to. Well, I think he releases a little bit more than he does in I Will Follow. He's a little bit more Bono, but yeah, he's okay. not. He's still not quite the. He's not going all out, and he's not using it the full strength of his voice. I think he is trying to sound moody. I think he's trying to sound like you know, the, the David Bowie and the things like that. Good impression. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but I think he's. I think he's. Um, what I noticed when I was listening to this is he's stretching for those kind of, moments throughout the song. He is stretching for those kind of like. Uh, big vocal moments mm. and and this happens all the way through the album he's not I just don't think his voice is developed enough to do it but he gives, he deserves credit for trying to really stretch it in that way mm. and a lot of the time you'll hear what will happen is Bono will go for a big note he'll hit it but he needs Edge to sort of back him up and carry him through that and I think that overall that's really good for the band because they work together I think the whole band acts together as a safety net for, for everybody else like mm. we've said uh, Adam isn't proficient enough well not not enough but as proficient as everybody else, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Larry, I think, is quite strong. But Larry was wasn't classically trained, was he? He was a well, he's a military trained drummer, so I yeah. think he's got a really good sense of timing and also a very strong. I mean, apparently, he plays like no one else. I mean, you know, because he's learnt in that tradition. Yeah, he's, he's a lot of uh, more well, more modern bands are influenced by him. Edge is crazy on this on this song. I, I love yeah. this. I love this, this song, is, and this I do is... listen to this song like outside of it because this sort of the accepted wisdom is that you two, um, like Edge, basically he didn't do any sort of bluesy stuff. He didn't bend any notes. That was sacrilege. There's loads of weird, interesting uh, bending of notes here in the solo, and I don't. I've listened to it so many times. I still don't understand as a guitarist, not a great one, but someone who is interested in sound. I don't understand how he makes those kind of notes. It almost sounds like pinched harmonics. It's going to really be. A nerdy thing to go that, that's fine um, during the solo, and then it kind of gets a bit more, um, a bit more, uh, a bit more standard. But he's got a real like kind of erratic kind of quality to his playing on this. He sounds great. A bit of a weird, weird lyrically though. Um, yeah, I mean the lyric, the old man tried to walk me home, and it's all about in the shadow, boy meets man. Yeah. Now, I just have not thought about this song right, and maybe it's because of the different climate that we're living in these days. I've always thought it's stranger, but not not. I've always realised that what the lyrics are. Ah, it's sad though. It's I don't, second track, and we've got this sort of thing possibly occurring. But, but it's also a really like kind of upbeat track. The, the lyrics jar. Yeah. But I do think uh, Bono's trying to be someone else. I think he's trying to be Joy Division. He's trying to be mm-hmm. uh, David Bowie. He's trying to have that kind of uh, what do they call it? That. that it was kind of an emo a couple of years ago, but in the eighties it was. Uh, Goth. No, what what new G- wave? What Gervais was. Um, a new romantic. Yeah, a new romantic. I think that's what he's going for. Well, they're a hotspot at this moment. They're, they're, they really are a collection of bits, and the thing yeah. is, they could only. It sounds really pretentious, but they could only ever really just become you two and have that kind of sound. But so that's why it sounds a bit weird when Bono's flirting with these ways of singing. That just you think, oh, just sing like Bono, please. Yeah, I. Another thing I want to talk about with this is it's a live song. I can hear it's a live song. And I've never heard this live in person. Mm. Um, I think I have heard recordings of it. But I can always tell when I'm listening to a studio song if it's meant to be played live 
Mm-hmm. And I've I've really got a strong sense of Twilight being written for the for the live ar- arena, in 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 a lot of parts. And Cat Dub, uh, otherwise known as the Black Cat, I really like this song, but I definitely recognise that if if this had been the one that had begun the album, people would have been probably would have run a mile. It's got an oddly discordant sound because you've got these lovely sort of like chiming percussive things going on at the same time as these sort of guitar squeals and and shrieks and you know things that basically are meant to sound catish I think you know but then after that introduction you've got a really solid foundation laid down with Larry and Adam I love the bass and the drums on this what do you think Tyler I couldn't disagree more what I I was listening think to it's the, a white I was listening to this day and like the thing is I don't listen to Boy very often. There's a lot of albums that I would prefer to listen to. Okay. And I was listening to this today and I just felt the momentum that I will follow when Twilight had built mm-hmm. and this big sound and this energy that they'd started to create. Sort of developed died. something more, oh right. No, it just died. It's slow, it's boring. It's moody. It's yeah, it is, but it's, it's track three. There's no. Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you get to the second side? It, I listen to a lot of vinyl, so I I, I t- tend to think of. Oh, do you? Oh yes, I do. Uh, rather. That's really cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> go on, go on. Uh, I just think this really stopped all momentum, and I I don't. Uh, both tracks and Cat Dub and Into the Heart I couldn't wait for them to end or I couldn't wait for them to do something interesting just to just so I could say something positive about it but honestly my listening experience of these two songs were terrible Bono pretends to be a dog in the second half of Ancat though you can hear him in the background is that what he's doing? well I think so because I I googled what the lyrics were I was thinking oh maybe it's something profound it's profound I really, really it's a sexy song. dislike these two tracks. And I thought I liked them. Because Into the Heart, when they played it at Vertigo, uh, I thought that was great. And it was nice to hear an older song. But now going back, I just... I love I love this portion. I couldn't of, wait for it to end. I love this portion in Chicago. And when they played it live on that tour, where you've got Anne Cat Dub going into, uh, into the Heart. Into the Heart is the, is the superior of the two. But they are they do fit together so well. Into the Heart is is beautiful. Do you not like in, Into the Lyrically, Heart? Lyrically, yes. It's sparse, it's simple. Uh, it, Lyrically, it's got room. I think, and it fits in with the album, but this really did slow the album down and it really it, it took away from the experience of this album for you can't me. Have ten aisle follows in a row. No, you can't, but you don't have to slow it down that much. It's still quite. It's not really fast, but it's it's not slow. It's not the ocean. <laughs> That's true. Um, but no, I personally listening to this, and maybe I'll rediscover it later on because I don't remember ever feeling this strongly about it before. Mm. But this time when I was listening to it, uh, it just it kind of grated on me, and I I couldn't wait for both tracks to be over. So if you have anything to say about uh, Into the Heart, I get it, I get it over with now because I can't wait to move on. Well, I li- well the only thing I'm going to say is that they don't. They, it's almost like they're not allowed to do this kind of track ever nowadays. You probably be happy about that, but what I mean is this is a track where everything does slow down a bit, where there is such a massive amount of space. There's times where it's just literally Clayton doing single notes, you know, nothing else going on. And you're just waiting for Edge to come in with his with those guitar motifs, and you think, when when will they like let themselves do this? When not everything has to be a simple three and a half minute verse, chorus, verse, chorus, big inspirational middle section chorus. It's it's interesting in the in the sense that even early, as early as this album, they were still experimenting. Yeah, like which they obviously have never stopped doing, and that is one of the things I love about you two: the fact that they don't like doing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, and a criticism that you two always get is they sound too you 2 or they do the same thing over and over again. I can't think of a band that I know of that has changed the genre or played around with what they're known for more than you 2 over their career. Yeah, but also still had a certain 
essence or quality where you're thinking, ah, but I still know as soon as I hear that's that's Edge playing yeah. that's final singing. But then doing so many different things. Okay, happy to agree to disagree on this one. Should we move on to uh, the next? Please. Well, it's not coming up until a few albums off, is it? Out of control. I'm out of control. Are you quite alright? I'm a little bit out of control. Ah, right, okay. I think it's because we're, next we're talking about track five on Boy, which is... Called... Out of Control. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> right, so, um, what do you think? I, I, I thought this was a return to form. The last uh, I can forgive them the last two tracks. Mm. Uh, Although I, you could say, don't want to interrupt, but <laughs> it, this does it does lead directly into um, Out of Control from Into the Heart. This is a trilogy, I would say. Each part is important. Discuss. Uh, well, I actually I actually didn't notice that, but it, I think this is what the album, in essence, is all about. It's about being young and angry and angsty and not quite understanding the world, but, you know, wanting so much of it. And uh, it feels like you can just... It's there and you can reach it if you just grab it. Yeah. And I really like this song. I can't ever remember a time when I haven't liked this song. That's it's amazing. Uh, and I think Bono sounds great. This is the first time that Bono is really on on top form in this album, I think. Yeah, often his his voice sort of goes back in the mix a little bit because maybe it's not as developed as kind of I don't know the right word as rich maybe as thick um, as it needs to be. But he is he is very strong on this. Although again, Edge plays a big big part in 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 boosting him, you know. Yeah. And another staple, uh, I don't think they play it every, every show, but it's a it's another great song that they, they often play live and every everybody knows it and everybody's happy to hear it. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know of anybody that would dislike this song. It's it's a sign of things to come for you two. It's a sign that they can produce quality pop music to go forward. And yeah. and I just I have no criticism of this song. Which, and I'm sorry about that. It might be might be quite boring to hear. You know, maybe I'm fanboying on this, but I don't think there's anything wrong with this song. I, I think it's an incredible song. I, I have no no qualms with it at all. I think um, it's it's a, it's got punk energy, if not a punk sound to it. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's it's so much energy. If you, I was listening to this on headphones as loud as possible before, and you really can't listen to this song just, you know, at like half volume when you're like driving and having a conversation. It's got to be loud to get the the absolute energy that's that's part of this song. And yeah, a lot of that comes from comes from Larry's driving drum beat. And the only other thing I want to say about the song is definitive version for me is Slain. It's the best it's sounded, yeah. the most emotion. It's flipping marvelous. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's it's relevant uh, that you say that because this album as much as it is about you two and about youth and about growing up. It's about Dublin and about mm-hmm. the city or the, the place, the town where you grew up. Um, and Dublin is... really Ireland is a really small country and it's a really young country as well. It's still forming. So, out of control, it is... In my opinion... Go on. It's... Unmanageable. <laughs> it's disorderly. It's out of this world. Oh, great. Once upon a time, there was a little boy called Baby Taku. No, no, it's not uh, It's not story time. It's time for stories for boys. Baby who? Taku. That's a Joyce reference. Is it? Yes. Also from Dublin. Yes. Uh, moving swiftly on. Um, I love stories for boys. I think it's a great song. Um... Uh, it has our catchphrase, our opening catchphrase in it, hello, hello, and it's interesting. I, it only kind of dawned on me today that that was used again for Vertigo and was an obvious kind of callback. Right, I'm going to stop you there, because we've had this conversation about ten years ago. <laughs> right, where we after we'd been watching the Vertigo tour, yes. uh, they, and, uh, and Bono, well. they, did, they did a bit of stories for boys. Yep. Good. And they did the hello, hello yep. thing in a, as a reference to Vertigo. And you said to me at the time, I've never made that link before. So I know that you've made that link before because you said it to me before. Well, what's wrong with my brain? <laughs> oh, well. So this is the start of side two. Yes. And, and it's a good start to side two in terms of 
I think it is good that it begins with with that kind of op with the opening energy of Stories for Boys. Really fast paced, a lot of kind of interesting riffs going on. I've always had this problem with you two, and I think you can be too close to a band. I've always had a problem uh, putting a genre on you two, mm -hmm. or saying what type of music they do, because I just don't know, because I'm, I'm too close to them. There is the rest of music, yep. and then there is you two for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that they are better than anybody else or they're greater than anybody else, but I, I just struggle to place them on, on the music scene. With this song, it sounds very 80s. You could almost put it on, you know, it, could, it would be very well placed on an 80s compilation album. I can't see this coming after gold. I just, I just think that the guitar sounds particularly... Um, <laughs> It starts off really well, yeah. and, it's, and it does sound 80s, and it does sound like a contemporary 80s the song. The snare is 80s. Which is it's something I can't say for many U2 songs. I can't, I can't say they sound like the contemporaries very often. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But this song does get lost after there's a, a, a choral bit. I think there's a young girl singing or something. Might be a young boy singing. What bit is this? There is a bit. There is a bit. I heard it earlier. Can you... Give me an approximation by your vocal cords. It's the. That's just. That's just the end of the um, of the chorus, isn't it? Though. But like after that bit, you kind of. I, I, like that I wrote it down as a, as a bridge, but after that, it kind of loses its way and it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere else. It starts off really well, but it doesn't uh, progress to to greater heights. It never. I, I agree. It never develops, but I think it's tight. It, it works well. The pace is great. Um, the only thing is, yeah, when you in the latter. In the latter part of the song, you really do notice um, when Larry hits a snare, it's full on 80s, like, uh, snare. So um, maybe tone that down a bit in future lads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like swimming. I think I'm in the ocean. <laughs> wow, that's how we're up in that section. Yeah, I think that's a good link. Yeah. I've got a question for you, Tyler. Okay. Okay, so when Bono in this track. The ocean mm -hmm. says, "I felt I felt the world would go far if they'd only listen to what I'd say." Yeah. Now, given what we know about Bono in the future, mm. okay, it's weird to listen to that line, and I'm wondering how much irony is built into that on the original recording. Is Bono genuinely naively thinking, "I'm a young guy." I've got opinions. This isn't an accent thing that I'm trying to do. I, you know, I'm a young guy. I've got opinions, and I think the world would go far if it only listened to what I'm saying. Well, I think that, you know, like he was 20 when this album came out. I so don't know. He was okay. He was born uh, May the 10th, 1960. Mm -hmm. So he was 20 in a few months. I only know that because I'd left school on May the 10th. Okay. So I just happened to know that day. Checks out. But doesn't everybody think they know everything at that age? I know it's something like parents yeah, always say. Like, age, yeah. but, and, I, and I, looking back, and now, I, yeah, I did. And now I, I seem to get less sure as the years go by. But it also raises another point. Like, if what you dislike about Bono is his activism and his uh, willingness to change things for the better, yeah, or to at least and, to attempt to. And if you are annoyed at that, then why can't you go back and listen to you know these early days when he was just a young, uh, a young guy, a young man with, yeah. with dreams, like Ambitions. just like anybody else. He just he just wanted. He didn't have that forum to to try and change things, but he's not lost that desire to. Mm. Whereas a lot of people, people think it's a it's a latter day cynical affectation. Yeah, but I think that ambitionness and you know that willingness to. You know, change the world has, as you're saying, it was present from the start. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, he. Be, you know, people think that that kind of Bono just only existed as soon as, say, you know, the era of Tony Blair and George Bush. It was always there, yeah, in some form. And it's quite as much as Bono has changed, as much as his bank account will have changed, as much as you know how his life will have changed. There is still that element of a young Bono in there mm -hmm. that sees a world that he's not happy with and wants to. You know, wants to change it for the better, and not just for him, but for generally everybody. And people hate the man for this, which it's quite hard mm. to hate a guy for wanting to give you a better life. Well, 
Yeah, this is, I mean, the thing is, I guess we'll, this will be something we come back to and come back to. And it's annoying because I really like Bono, obviously, but I do feel like I'm always put in the, a very difficult position trying to defend him. Because yeah. I always kind of... But then it is cynical to say, to say, you know, it's presumptuous of anyone to be minded in any way, you know, that they're trying to improve anyone else's business or their lot in life. I mean... Back to the ocean. Well, I was going to say, yeah. so my question is, do you think that they improve the world with this... Some would say dreary, dreary, dreary song. I don't think it is a dreary song. And I mentioned about this album being about Dublin. And there are references to uh, Dorian Gray. Yeah. Uh, which is a fantastic novel. They are soaking up every essence of everything around them. And everything that is Irish. And uh, particularly Dublin. Mm-hmm. They are soaking all this up and they are using that to to better themselves in a way and to really push that out into the world I think what's this got to do with the ocean because Dorian Gray's mentioned in the song okay fine and so it's a, it's a it's a culmination of everything about them growing up about their innocence it does feel like and a the, bit of a the things though. that build them up you know and, yeah. and, and, and create who they are there's a lot of identity in this song I feel I, look, I, I actually do like the song it's not as dreary as I was making out but I think it's, it's certainly not Ancart Dog no, because I prefer that song. Yes, I do prefer that song. Oh, I disagree. Okay, well, you can't disagree about my preference, so <laughs> checkmate. Yeah, I think it's fine. I, I think it is nice that they're still doing the... Re- I mean, I would hate this album if it was just ten attempts that I will follow. And this is a nice change of pace. It sort of anticipates some of the 4th of July type things that they do on, you know, on Unforgettable Fire. Happy to just have something quite quiet and strange there, so... Yeah, thumbs up overall. Yeah, I think it's a great song. A Day Without Me. Um, I really like this song. Um, it's definitely a highlight of the album for me. Um, we begin with some amazing uh, guitar work from Edge. Um, well, I mean, obviously the delay is present, a bit of reverb is present as is usual. But you've also got the phaser that gives that sound i was going to try and do it myself but there's no way for a human voice to replicate a phaser i guess um try but, go on um well is it, it's when he hits this hard note yeah go so on no, just don't yeah, tell us just do it just do it yeah, yeah. bearing up to it right so it goes so that's just the that's just the delay Brilliant. that's the delay but then when he gets into the full chords it goes you know, and I don't need to carry on from there because you're already dancing. Um, yeah. Right. So a day without me. Well, that's not the way I wanted to do that. Um, <laughs> it's a fun song, I think, which is which is cool. And this is one of those songs that I would, when I got properly into this album, it would be one of those ones I would try and show to other people who maybe didn't like you too. I'd be like, listen to the guitars, and they'd just be saying, this sounds like naive, naive child's work you know because it's got that ding 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 kind of like rhythm to it well I find this strange this song is dedicated um, and I, I've heard it was written for Ian Curtis of Joy Division who killed himself uh, in May of 1980 really hung up on months here <laughs> I, I just I just researched it because uh, I I guess it makes sense as a broadcaster come before that I, I research my shows oh right so, it's it's too happy, right? And there are times on this album where Bono really not imitates Ian Curtis, but tries to sound a little more Joy Division-y. Obviously, you know it was an influence to him. Fun fact: wasn't this album meant to be produced by Joy Division's famous producer Martin Hamlet? I don't have that information. I don't because think. that would have been a very interesting thing to listen to. Yeah. Um, but it would Steve have been really a different band. Anyway. Yeah, there would have been a, a very different band. Yeah. But it just this. I've heard that it was written for the for for that. And it, by the way, this is the lead single off the album, which a lot yeah, was, yeah. a lot of people think it, I will follow or out of control. Yeah. But they were already re-released, and I think I will follow got a re-release. Yeah, it's a complicated history, but yeah. Um, but, but a day without me was the lead single. Would it have been included on the album if it was only written for Ian Curtis after he, after he died? I, I, I think so. But as a tribute, it's it's 
it's a bit happy consider, considering the subject matter. But wouldn't he have appreciated that considering they had a dreary sound and yet were called Joy Division? Well, perhaps uh, I don't know how well or how much they thought about this, but it, I love the song. I, th- I do think it's a good song. But I'm always, I always, whenever I listen to it, I always do think about a little bit of trivia, and it kind of bogs me down a little bit. I'm, 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 you think? I was. I almost said I'm a little bit hung up on that, but that is definitely the wrong thing to say. <laughs> Poor Ian. <laughs> and I was like Joy Division as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, only thing I. Um, want to add is if you listen to how high the vocals get in the outro after that big you know um drum section you know kind of storming drum bit from uh from larry listen to how high that i think i'm pretty sure it's edge doing it as well the the sort of calls are the burr, burr, burr. yeah so high there's no way they'd be able to play that that one is that what you mean? Yeah, that's a bit. <laughs> yeah, oh, I notice Edge's guitar more than uh, more than anything else because mm-hmm. uh, normally I'm a bit hung up on, uh, um, on Adam, Bono. Ad- Adam and Larry. Oh, Adam and but Larry. I, I really notice Edge's guitar, and I think this is like with um, like with Stories for Boys. I think this is a very eighty song, and I think this is. Do you remember like uh, Vice City? Grand Theft Auto. Yes. Remember the soundtrack for Vice City? You think this could fit on? I the... think honestly, if I was driving along on Vice City mm. and this came up, I really, I, I, I think it would fit in. It reminds me of Cutting Crew, and and those those kinds of. I can't imagine I Ran by Flock of Seagulls finishing and then this starting. I, I don't know. I I just think that that's the image I get in my in my head, and it wouldn't it wouldn't strike me as strange if I did hear that that soundtrack okay. with this on it. I I and. It's really interesting because I don't think you two ever repeat these sounds that we hear in uh, Stories for Boys in A Day Without Me. I think it's a kind of one-and-done thing, or a two-and-done thing. You never really hear them doing that again. And it's interesting what you two leave by the wayside and what, you know, and what they choose to carry on doing and, and progress and take further and develop. Um, Rockstar Games, do get in touch if you're thinking of including... A day without me. On... Don't, don't get in touch with us. Well, no, but well, I'd like we to. We have know. nothing to do with you two. Just a little note. By the way, guys, it's going to be on GTA Six. Enjoy. <laughs> Excuse me, mate. Have you got the time? Uh, yeah, it's uh, about twenty past six. Oh, where are we? Uh, well, we're in the uh, the basement studio. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Because, of course, the next track is Another Time, Another Place. Yeah. I'm not sure that worked entirely, but we'll, ah, it's we'll a move on link. swiftly. It's a great link. Oh, well, there is somebody out there now compiling great links. A butcher. <laughs> and this is gonna... Saved it. Saved it. Right. So, Another Time, Another Place. I always forget this song is actually on the album. Like, as in, I've, I like it when it's on, but if you say boy to me, I'm thinking I will follow. I'm thinking Twilight... Not necessarily this song. I, Very exasperated. I, I do feel exasperated by this because I, I, I don't think this is a bad song. But I think it's kind of been ruined for me in a way by the you know, the Fine Club album, Another Time, Another Place. Have you heard that one? I think I sent you the link. I, I know everything about you two. Just remind me about what you're talking about. The, the, the Fine Club release last year was uh, Another Time, Another Place. It's the li- a live... Um, show from 1980 or 1981 and really early tracks I sent it to you a few months ago yes I do. I am aware of this what's your point about it right well on that album this song is amazing yeah on that in that live setting mm-hmm. so when I saw this track coming up and I was listening I was really excited you and I really hit the same height and I really wanted to hear it and because I, I hadn't listened to it since I listened to that album and then when I heard it, it was just like this. It kind of it has a lack of energy. It's quite. It, it seems like they're forcing themselves to do another song. That's the impression I get. I feel like they had. It was kind of a case of right, lads. We just need one more song, and then we can put the album out. Yeah. And it, yeah. there was no energy left, and everybody was kind of spent, and and this was kind of rushed, and um, it doesn't sound great. It just sounds. Lazy. It sounds. I, I think, it, <clears throat> I agree with a lot of that. 
I think it does sound okay in terms of it's got a particular feel. It's moody when the bass kicks in, you know, when you got the do 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 do. It's nice. And I have I just looked when you said that. I just looked at what I've said about the bass, and I've just put dull in big letters. Moody, not dull. Dull. It's moody. No, because Adam. This C- is a partner piece of Uncap though. Adam sees such heights on this album. Yeah. And it just. Ah, no, it's not the. I think I think it works well bass wise. What I will say is. Bono goes absolutely mad in that last portion where he's going yeah 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 it's bizarre that's Bongolese captured right on record because usually Bongolese being the imaginary language Bono sings when he's grasping for a melody have you just coined this term? no look it up it might be called Bonolese but I'm pretty sure it's called Bongolese (laughs) unless that's about you know that's a totally different uh, language but anyway the point is that Bono sings in this completely, you know, senseless, you know, in terms of actual content way. He's just getting the melody. And so if you go for any, like, of old recordings and all their old versions of stuff, it's full of this. But this is where he literally just... Well, to me, he doesn't seem to be singing lyrics. He's just going mad at the end of it. And it's very... It's a misstep. It's a bizarre ending. Yes. uh, Of what is, I think, quite an uninteresting, quite a laboured song. Um, and yeah, this it, is where the second half of the record but, is weaker. But this is what you two do; they save it in a live setting. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I, I'd tell anybody to uh, look up the. It's called Another Time, Another Place. I think it's in the Marquee Club in London. Um, so go there and find it. <laughs> but it's a great, it's a great song live. But yeah. on the album, I, it's it is a misstep, and it does take away a little bit of that shine from the album, I think. Okay, here we go. Just, um, just roll the dice there on the Monopoly board. Uh, one, two, three, four, ah, five, six. Um, oh, dear, I've gone and landed on it, Tyler. I think you own it. Oh, the electric co? Yes, yes, that'll be £200, please. Just realised, A, you can't roll a six in Monopoly because there's two dice and also the way that you calculate what if you get a four and a two you could get or, or, or two threes yes those are numbers as well aren't they five and a one. Oh, <laughs> possibilities are endless no that's it right anyway so um electrico it's a great song the second thing was that you don't calculate the amount of money owed on the electrico in that fashion it wouldn't be 200 pounds it depends on whether you own the water company as two utilities work in tandem to multiply the amount, anyway. I, you know, I've never finished a game of Monopoly. I've, no, I don't see an end to this starting link. <laughs> no, right, because I'm one of the, those people that likes Monopoly. Yes. And I like to play Monopoly, but I'm pretty good at Monopoly. Say Monopoly again. <laughs> I will say Monopoly. Is this show sponsored by Monopoly yet? Waddington's getting touch. Is that who does it? But it might annoy other people. Well, you get to a certain point in Monopoly where so you're clearly winning and you, you're really enjoying it, and then everybody, oh, well, I, I don't want to play anymore. And I always find that that happens when I play Monopoly. I've never completed a game of Monopoly. It needs to change. Well, maybe we could do that soon. And I think there's no better place to do it than on this first Review 2 podcast. So if we get the board out... Game out, yeah. <laughs> no, right, anyway, so let's get back to, back to business. Right, this is a great song. If you didn't know. This saves... It's the, the electric co. This saves the second half of this album from being from being dangerously unbalanced a la, say, I don't know, and all you can't leave behind. That's a sidebar. Get into that later. The intro riff of this was the first thing... I, I'll try not to bang on about guitar playing, okay? But the intro riff to electric co... That was the first thing that I wanted to learn after hearing this album the first time. It's what I went to my uh, guitar and thought, this is what I'm going to do. I love it. Seeing it live was one of the most... It was the absolute highlight of, I think, that whole show on the Vertigo tour. And Edge's solo is incredible. The energy is incredible. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they also played it at um, Innocence and Experience, didn't they? I don't... No. I think they played it and it surprised us both because we didn't expect to hear it. I think you're thinking of Gloria. 
Yes, yes, sorry. Yeah, okay. continue. Um, so, well, no, I mean, I, I can't say anything. No, I... I, I just get I, too effusive about it. I love it. Yeah, I generally agree, and I think... You're right, when they played it at Vertigo, it, it was... It's amazing to hear it. And I do... I think it's one of those songs, it's timeless, it doesn't age. Uh, it's 36 years old, nearly, and I do not get the sense that that was written so long ago. No. I... I think it's as relevant now as it was back then. It sounds great. Everybody's on, you know, top form. Mm-hmm. Bono sounds great. Edge sounds great. Larry and Adam work well together. It's it's a great sound and it's a great song. Mm. And it, it if it was released these days, I think it would be all over the place. I, I think it's great. Well, the thing is, I, I think... I'm not sure about that, and it's difficult to tell in terms of whether it would be a hit now, because it's got a very unconventional chorus, you know, with that interplay between Bono and Edge, but somehow, it's not that it breaks all the rules, but it doesn't have, this is not how you would normally go about writing a chorus. I Will Follow is a great song, but it's nuts and bolts, this is a song, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, it makes sense. What kind of chorus is is that, you know, um, and yet it sounds incredible. Yeah, I, I, I really like this song. I don't think there's anything more we, we can really say. It's great live still when they play it, and it's, all, it's a pleasure to hear it live. I've only got one more thing to say pertaining to the live versions of this. The gamble with recording a song like this and hitting that first note you know, that Bono hits, mm. where it sounds amazing, and it also sounds amazing on Red Rocks, on Blood Red Sky. Yeah. But if you get a few bootlegs when Bono is attempting that and he doesn't hit it, <laughs> Bloody hell, it starts off the song in a bad way. <laughs> because it's a really hard note to hit. But I think it's good that they've got, they've, you know, they've, they've put it out there and that this is the kind of thing, you know, they're setting the standard. And, you know, he, he never, ever doesn't do a run-up and tries to do it. It's just whether he can hit it or not. Yeah. Right, so that was U2's first debut album, Boy. Wait a we- second. What? Is, uh, is there one more? No, I don't think so. I'll check the track list in no. here. No. Another no. time, another place. Electrico. And then there's... Uh, no, no, the, no, 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 there's nothing. No, it says it right here. No, no. Shadows and tall trees. That sounds good. Uh, listeners, feel free to turn Quirky. off if you want. Shadows and tall trees. Are you going to make me go for this? It's a ghostly song. <laughs> yes, we have to talk about it. It's on the album. <sighs> don't just exhale. You have to put words after it. Right, this is a kind of a patchwork quilt of a song. I, I feel like they had lots of bits left over and again, not another song to do. Mm-hmm. So it it moves around a lot. It's a lot of different ideas, different elements. It It's okay, but it I don't think it's a great way to end the album. It sounds oddly cheap. It sounds like it was recorded on a half day when they were like, oh god, We've said we'd do this many tracks. Get into the studio. Edge, get your acoustic out. Get it on. It just doesn't... Eventually, it seems to come together a bit. And this is an odd thing I noticed about it. It's the clearest we can actually hear Bono in his singing, I think. Because there's not as much going on. So he's very clear. And yet, it sort of sounds the worst on the album. Like, it's in disorganised. Old whole overall sound. Yeah, it is disorganised. Yeah. It's not a great way to finish an album. I don't think there was a clear idea of what to do with this song. And it does seem rushed. And it Maybe it could have been a good song, but it's just it's too all over the place. To You can't concentrate on any particular bits, because everything's changing constantly. Yeah. I think... I, I, I never, ever reach for this song. You know, ever. And I think... But I think there were little hints, as you get all the way through this album, of them stretching for something really great. So in the end, when you know he's doing the shadow, shadow kind of bit, you know, that I think is something that probably, and in an early gig setting, probably sounded amazing. And it's the kind of thing they would develop later on in albums, that kind of, you know, everyone fist pumping in the air, you know, kind of flag waving, almost a kind of singing new song, you know, 40 kind of vibe. But it doesn't work because the song isn't good. I will say this. It's different li- just listening to an album for pleasure. And listening to an album to review it. Yeah. I really listened to this song, whereas 
when every other time I would have heard this song. I've been doing something else, you know, music's been mm. on in the background, and I haven't noticed, and it hasn't offended me, and I've not heard that much. But when I, when the sole activity was to listen to this song, I really didn't know what what it was about or where it was going, and I was kind of surprised that you know I hadn't mm. thought that's that's strange. I hadn't I hadn't thought that before. So maybe we are being too critical because of the way we had to listen to it to review it. Because as background music, I, I've never flagged any of these problems up. But it, to listen to the song as it is, it's... Well, it's difficult to get your teeth into it because it's such a... Right, there, is, there are bits of abstract lyrical kind of stretches on this album. Like The Ocean, I was kind of panning it before, but I really like that song and it has a feel to it and I think there's lots of stuff going on. But then Shadows and Tall Trees... I don't really get a sense that it's about anything, no. No. apart from maybe some shadows and some slightly bigger trees. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing. It's not a great way to end the album, but it's there. So well, we, we reviewed to it. We we had to review to it. Yeah, we did. So that was our first album, Boy. It's the first review two that we've done. And for our final feature, it's time to see our sweetest thing and our dirty day. This is what we're going to do with every single album. We're going to say our favourite track and the clunker, the worst track on the album. So, Tyler, would you like to give me your sweetest thing from Boy? I will, but I just want to ask you one question. Did your choices surprise you? Um, no. They surprised me. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm, my ear is ready. Okay. My sweetest thing is Out of Control. Mm, good choice. A contender for me. Yeah. I, I, I just love it. I, I can't say any more than we've already said, but that has to be just a standout track. Everything's great about it. Out of Control was a contender, but I'm giving my sweetest thing award to Electric Co. Sponsored by Monopoly. Yes, Waddington's. Again, I don't want to just repeat what I've said before, but it's incredible, and I think the live performance just pushes it up there because it was—it's probably—it might actually be the best thing I saw live when we when we first saw them. It'd be interesting to like to to know what you think as well. Uh, so please comment. Let us know what was your sweetest thing and what was your dirty day yeah. for uh, for this album. And what were your reasons for that? You know, like, do you have diff- different reasons than, than the ones we've given? Yeah, like, you know, we said at the beginning, we're not experts. We, we, are, we are fans, and uh, we just... It's interesting to us to to know what other people like about you mm-hmm. two and, and their albums. And that's all we're trying to do here. We're just trying to, trying to, I suppose, make friends and communicate with other other U2 fans. I think the naivety and innocence of that sentence is very fitting for the the first boy album album review. Yeah, I would like. I'm to make pretty friends. sure that no one will let, let any, ever say anything nasty about our podcast. I can't see any reason. I can't no. see anyone correcting us, pointing out a terrible uh, broadcasting style, no. saying you got that wrong, you got this wrong, you're an idiot, go to that hell. We've been offensive, or I think we dodged that this episode. We'll be fine. So the only other thing to do is to say our dirty day. So, what's your dirty day, Tyler? What's the what's the clunker on this album? Uh, well, it's got to be it's got to be conjoined for me. Uh, and Cat Dub and Into the Heart. Uh, that goes into Room One Hundred One for me. I'm afraid. What? Yeah, terrible. That is. It's it's just slowed everything down. Even Shadows and Tall Trees. At least I know the album's over after that. Well, that's an interesting way of looking at it because my dirty day is Shadows and Tall Trees, and I was not surprised by that because I knew it would be. Yeah. I I think, on that note. These are not, you know, whenever we say sweetest thing, dirty day, these are changeable, you know. Yeah. Our opinions of albums change. Everyone's do, you know. Oh, yeah. Depending sure. on, and hopefully, you know, you'll have come out of this review thinking um, a little differently about about Boy. Yeah. For this week, I think all that's left to do is to say thank you very much uh, for listening to us. Thank you for following us through the shadows and the tall trees of the album Boy. I uh, hope you join us next week. Where we'll be... Did you two do a second album, Johnny? Uh, let me just check my notes. Yes. Right. Good. Well, we'll review that next week, then. Yeah, may as well. Join us then. See you later. Bye.
Hi there. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us at review2contact at gmail.com. That's R-E-V-U-2-contact at gmail.com.